This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to I Said No Gifts. I'm Bridger Weiniger. We're in the backyard. The temperature is right. Uh, I'm finishing up the trial of my trial contact lenses. I've decided on the brand I'll be choosing. Uh, my optometrist will be getting an exciting phone call later today. Blackstone Optometry. Be prepared. I know what I want. Um, and that's what I'll, you know, it's nice to know what contact I'll be wearing in 2024. But let's get into the podcast. Let's just get into it. I love today's guest. He's truly wonderful. It's John Ross Bowie. John? Hello. Welcome to I Said No Gifts. I, it's uh, delightful to be here. Uh, you're enjoying your contacts? Yeah, it took me longer than necessary. They gave me, I think... They give you like a week of each brand. It's not a one-size-fits-all situation. It's weirdly not. I've been wearing contacts for a long time. Mm. And first of all, every year they improve, which is kind of alarming. How long have you been wearing corrective lenses? Since I think eighth grade. Uh, so fifth grade for me. Wow. And I'm the same way. I am dazzled by how much optometry has improved in the 40 some odd years that I have been using corrective lenses. I have LASIK now. Okay, interesting. But but it, that, even that is telling because when I was in high school, my astigmatism was such that the doctors were like, there's nothing, we, we, you get glasses and that's it. You're a lost You're gonna wear enormously right. thick lenses and that's your life and get used to it. And then they're like, well, we still can't do contacts, but we have this new thing called OptiThin, which will, which will shrink the lenses, make them a little thinner, okay. but just as strong. And they won't distort your eyes quite as much. Right, Fantastic. Right. And then they're like, hey, guess what? The science is here now where you can get contacts, but LASIK won't fix what you have. And I was like, all right, I'll take contacts then. And I did those for a few years. And then I tore my contacts on a on a set one time. I was uh, shooting an episode of Monk. Okay. And um, we're just going to get right into this. Well, and let's just put it out there. Monk is famously dangerous for contact wearers. Well, here's why on this particular episode, that's an absolute truism. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> um, I, I tear my, my contacts. I check my bag. I do not have spares with me. And I said, you know what? It's an easy day. I will just kind of fumble my way through this one. It's all shapes and colors, but you know, <laughs> right. I can I can act without it's corrected lessons. Your acting skills. And 
they come, the AD comes up to me and goes, hey, John, um, we're running ahead actually. So we're gonna shoot the car scene tonight. <laughs> this is a true story. And I was like, so when you say the car scene, they're like, you're the one where you're driving the car and um, and you, you go through the uh, light and we're gonna sh obviously shut off uh, traffic and everything. I was like, yeah, please, please do that. I don't let on at all what I'm going through. Right. But like it has been established that my character does not wear glasses. I cannot wear glasses. We've already shot like two or three days. I cannot suddenly have glasses. So they put me in this beautiful, like two minutes off the lot BMW, <laughs> the newest car I've ever sat in, <laughs> nicest and newest car I've ever sat in. I can't see a fucking thing. I have a woman next to me, <sighs> um, a very sweet young actress. And all I have to do really is drive about it. They're gonna film an exterior. They have to get a picture of me um, like a, a, when you run a red light and the camera catches you. Oh, sure, sure. They have to get a picture of me doing that. Okay. In order to prove that I'm the killer at the end of the episode. Right. Spoiler alert. <laughs> the show is ruined for me. This one particular episode from 15 years ago, gone. It's devastating. I can't watch any of it now. So I, I'm like, okay. And I get into the car and I keep my glasses in my lap. And it starts to rain. It starts to rain and it's pouring rain. And already I can't see a fucking thing. And because my vision was like 2200 in my good eye. Okay. Really, Ooh. really bad, bad eyesight. And I can't see a fucking thing anywhere. And, and so when they yell action, I take off my glasses, drop them in my lap, drive. The actress begins to catch on. All over the road. All over the road. Kind of just trying to go relatively straight. Everything looks like a Monet painting. Babies in the back seat screaming. And uh, we, I lived through that and then uh, blew it out and treated myself to LASIK. <laughs> How and could they not fake that? That feels like the easiest possible thing to fake. Uh, I, you would think, Photo right? of a man running red light. I know. I don't know how they couldn't have just... I mean, you see, GI just wasn't where it is right now, I guess. Right. But um, yeah. So and that I, show had, loved a practical effect. Effect. They loved a practical effect, famously. Um, but yeah, I'm always dazzled by. Uh, and there were years there where they said, "Oh yeah, LASIK won't work for you. This, the technology's not there yet." And then I didn't realize. That. And that's the scary thing to me about LASIK is like it's still not a perfected form. Um, They're still evolving. It's. I mean, it's. It's not that it isn't perfected. It's just that it can't fix everything. The oh, things it fixes, it fixes quite well. Right, but you right. remember those early, like you heard like horror stories early on. Of course. Early LASIK of like people losing their depth perception, people's oh. eyes filling with blood, all sorts of crazy shit that would happen just because somebody had a laser cut open their lens, uh -huh. which, you know, no big, right? And so I was like, well, I'm not going anywhere near that until they fucking iron out the bugs. That is clearly still in beta. Right, My right. mother-in-law had LASIK in like 1998. Oh, early adopter. Early adopter. And I swear to God, she bumps into shit all the time. I, my hand to God, she lives in a 2D world. She, <laughs> she lives just in has a two, two empty sockets in her skull. And, and she just, it, I, she's getting around by echolocation or something. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck she's doing. <laughs> I, um, I, yeah, I'm still, and I've talked about this recently, I'm still nervous about LASIK. Yeah. There's, I well, they I, give you Xanax for a reason. Of course, you yeah. have two things that you could lose and then never get back. Very scary to me. Yeah. Uh huh. But I mean, there is a temptation. But then I, you know, the contacts get better and better. Yeah, they do. They I've really landed do. on my precision ones. I'll be treating myself to those this year. Yes, muzzles. Next, thank you so much. Next year, who knows what'll happen? Oh yeah. But the LASIK. I mean, contact. I have a similar story where I w I was uh, working in Century City late one night, probably till like eleven thirty midnight. That sounded a little bit like the Monster Mash. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was working, working in Century the- <laughs> City late one night. Sorry. Just it scanned perfectly. Go ahead. We did the fox slot. <laughs> uh, contacts dried out to the f- point that I had to take them out. Had no extras. Oh, God. I was living in Los Feliz at the time, which is not close no, no, to Century that's City. A, that's a drive. The only thing I had was prescription sunglasses. <laughs> And you get, I mean, you can get pulled over for probable cause then. If oh, you're, of course. If you're driving along Santa Monica Boulevard with prescription sunglasses, I'd pull you over. I'd check your I trunk. Would, I would put me in prison. <laughs> I drove across the entire city in prescription sunglasses. Nearly impossible to say. So it, it's things like that where you're like, I wish I just, why can't I just have my brother's eyes? Yeah. Yeah. Why can't I have, I think every one of my siblings has decent vision but me probably because i was i was an early internet user and was just staring at a monitor probably starting in fourth grade oh wow devastating my oh eyes. yeah uh, okay so we didn't well, i mean i'm 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 apparently significantly older than you and i uh we didn't i didn't have internet till i was safely in the workforce by oh, a couple of years God bless. like i had my first i got my i would have been 23 or 24 when i got my first email address so you know that was uh um so, you know, my prefrontal cortex had developed by this point. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, you know, it didn't, it didn't make my eyes markedly worse. Right, right. Granted, I grew up reading by candlelight. <laughs> <laughs> what was your uh, first email address? Oh, God, I hate that you asked me that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're all mortifying. Yeah, but this one's extra mortifying because I was temping at, um, uh, at Scholastic. Okay. Oh, the, great. The famous we love children's Scholastic. publishing company, right? Do we? Yeah, I think, I think they're well, all still the Yeah, for the, for the most part, they're pretty great. They haven't dodgy yeah. moves. No, no, no. They're, they're a, and it was a lovely place to work, let it be said. I, I temped all over New York City in my 20s before I was like, I should really try to act because I'm really depressed all the time. <laughs> and of all the places I worked, um, Scholastic was by far my favorite. I, I made the most lasting friendships there. Oh, this is lovely. Um, it was actually really nice. And- we were moving, we were going to the brand new um, Scholastic Network. Okay. And I was like, oh, what is that? It's like, oh, it's going to be our page on the internet. And I was like, oh, yeah, the internet. Yes, obviously, I've heard of the internet. This is 1994. Okay, right. And I am a year and a half out of college. Mm-hmm. And I am, I've already lied to them and told them I know Microsoft Excel. So this is just one more small <laughs> well, I lie. Mean, that's literally everyone that's ever applied for a job. Yeah, everyone claims to know Microsoft Excel. So like, also lying that I understand the internet mm-hmm. is, a, is a small step at this point, right? Um, but they're like, so you're, you're going to have to get an email address. And like, great, fine. And like, yeah, but it doesn't, you know, whatever, it can be whatever you want. Um, have Rob, the office manager, uh, do it. So I go over to Rob, who's uh, Rob Cordry. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Rob Cordry oh, was this the is office manager. And this How is where bizarre. we address it. Like, hi, I'm John. I'm a, I'm a, I'm the new temp. And again, I'm Rob. I'm the office manager. Uh, what do you want? And I was like, I want something funny. I'm like, great. You're hate666 at AOL.com. <laughs> I'm like, we work at Scholastic though, right? Like, this is like, this is Clifford and the little, and the magic school bus and stuff because yeah but you're a temp so it really doesn't matter you're hate 666 at aol.com <laughs> so that is my first email address i'm so glad you asked <laughs> how did you not hold on to that i don't I, I eventually was just like come on and then they kind of they didn't promote me because i was a temp but i was given just a little more responsibility and they gave me um they gave me bowie jr okay but then oh. everyone was like oh you david bowie's son i'm like fuck right because it looks like bowie jr of course but my, those are my sort of my initials. Anyway, Bowie Jr. Yeah. So, um, what was yours? Um, I feel like my first was Roseanne Barr at Hotmail.com. 
I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade, and oh I thought that would be God, that's my... funny. God damn, that's funny. I, for whatever to be 12 and be like, I understand the irony in this, <laughs> and I understand why this is so, that's magnificent. I, you know what, recently I, um, um, I, I recently quit video games because I was getting kind of addicted, actually. Oh, we've got to talk about that eventually. We'll put a pin in that. All right, but I, um, this, is, this is ridiculous and, and true. I was on PlayStation. I was a PS5 guy. Okay. And uh, I joined the PlayStation Network. Sure. And I was like, this is humiliating. I am up <laughs> into my 40s, and I am I am playing online. Picked the username Hate666. No, I did not. I picked something that was A, that I knew wouldn't be taken, and that would be mine and mine alone. And would also make it clear that while I am on the PSN, I am not of the PSN. Uh, right. I was Joan Didion. <clears throat> oh, nobody that's had beautiful. nobody else had Joan Didion. I didn't have to do like Joan Didion one, Joan Didion sixty nine, Joan Didion four twenty. <laughs> Joan, Joan Didion, Didion was that's available. Amazing. Joan Didion was available. And so if you if you handed Joan Didion her ass in Call of Duty at one evening, oh my, that was me. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Some twelve year old kid in the Midwest who's like, I think I really just fucked up the lady who wrote the Year of Magical Thinking. <laughs> Wow, that's such a perfect pick for the PlayStation Network. I think oh so too, and, and I, I and I, I say this in in deference to your wow. magnificent choice of Roseanne Barr and Hotmail. <laughs> did um, you ever get anybody being like, "Hey, Joan, I no, hate no, your work"? I never did. Oddly enough, neither hate nor loved. With Roseanne, I think there was like a Hotmail Messenger or whatever that I would be on on occasion, and people would it was get like on. I am kind of yeah. It was like their yeah. version, and uh, on occasion people would get on who hated Roseanne and attack me. Oh sure, which I love. Yeah, of course, incredible. by all means. Where you were, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the the time thing here. This would have been not too terribly long after that uh, national anthem. Uh, oh, that was a huge thing for me. <laughs> to have been. I loved that audio. I, if you've told the story before on this podcast, I apologize. No, but, I haven't. Oh, really? Oh, so how did that go down? I mean, did that? Did that? Did you taste some of that blowback? No, I probably did. I feel like this was. What year did that happen? I feel like that was probably mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. And I probably got this, yeah, this is probably mid to late 90s. Okay. So I think it was probably a little residual. I mean, like people had f forgotten that at that right, point. Right, But I mean, that audio. Oh, it's amazing. What a wild thing to have done. The video is wild too because she scratches her crotch oh, and everything right. and she spits. Yeah, yeah. Just really. Yeah. How did that all, like what did anybody expect to happen there? Uh, yeah, no, it was a bad idea out of the gate. It was a really bad idea out of the gate. I heard just I, screeching at the like, audience. Like, it's funny if, like, for if she does, like, a roller derby match here in L.A., but if you're doing a major league baseball game, people take that shit really seriously. And you, you shouldn't just know. <laughs> it's interesting because... The, her doing that, like the audience that she's kind of gathered MAGA-wise now would not approve. I know, that's the <laughs> damnedest thing, you know, and I understand the politics make strange bedfellows, but I, there is a part of me that is shocked at how quickly she was forgiven <laughs> as soon as she got on the Trump train. Right. They were just able to look right past that. It was, a, like people, and the, because there's an, there's an ahistorical quality to the MAGA crowd <laughs> where they simply don't understand the precedents that these people have set. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we could, I mean, we could go for How hours. How much time do we have, Annalise? <laughs> <laughs> With how forgetful those people can be. Uh, yeah, interesting. Somebody needs to do a remix of that. 
feel like that could be a hit. Oh, I'm surprised they, you know, someone... Maybe I'm the person who... Maybe this is my DJ moment. I think this is it. I think this is it. Every About once a year when I've had enough caffeine and I'm driving in the car, I think... I could be a producer. I could be a DJ producer, like a, an electronic music producer. Oh, okay. Absolutely no music knowledge. But okay. I think, I think I could do this. Okay. Maybe it's time I start. Yeah, by all means. I, 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 I support you in that. <laughs> You're kind of a musician, right? You're, I'm kind of, exactly. I'm, exactly. I'm kind <laughs> I mean, of a musician. It's not your main gig. No, no, no. But, but I, 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 I occasionally play bass in a punk rock band, which makes, it, makes me kind of a musician. I've yeah. been thinking about the bass in particular, picking up the bass. Oh, you should absolutely... It's it's the um, easiest way into a band. It kind of is, it right? Is I mean, because don't I... let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> don't let anyone get all like, oh, well, you know, Jaco Pastorius and you know these incredible, you know, Getty Lee from Rush. No, 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 no. <laughs> you learn a few notes. You listen to some early Pixies records. You play along with them because the bass is nice and Kim high Deal. in the mix. Kim Deal, absolute Fantastic hero of mine. That's basis. how I learned to play. And you'll be in a band inside of six months. That's all I want in the That's world. Uh, great, then do it. I know, uh, like basic keys on the piano. I feel like I just transfer that oh, over. Yeah, yeah. You're ahead of the game. Oh my god, what do you? Come on, let's. I mean, you're like a ringer at this point. You're a savant. <laughs> I mean, McCartney is. Let's be honest, a decent bassist. He's only a decent bassist. That is the fun thing about the Beatles. I was watching. Um, did you watch Get Back? Of course. Yeah, and I, I, it was fascinating on a couple of fronts. But it's a, it's a reminder that their strength was was. Sh- songwriting not virtuosity right and that's what i love maybe george maybe george is like the real like has the real chops right but the rest of them are just have really good melodic ideas Mm -hmm. and they will put these chords together well but they're none of them like there was no clapton in the beatles and thank god that would have ruined the whole thing would have ruined the whole vibe whenever whenever somebody criticizes ringo i'm like that's all they needed all they needed those were the drum beats they needed who cares i I read this massive 800 page book after i watched that that i think it's just called the beatles by a guy named bob spitz i recommend it all the time because it's really like the beatles book you need to read okay it's so comprehensive that Ringo doesn't even show up to like page 350. Oh, wow. I'm not kidding. That has to burn. So, but but no, it works out because you hear what went wrong with Pete Best. And oh, Pete Best was actually too good. He oh. was like a Swiss watch back there. Right. They were right. having trouble keeping up, but he also had no personality. There was no like fun fills or anything. Right, And right. plus he was terribly good looking. People don't realize that about Pete Best. Oh, interesting. That there was a little bit of jealousy uh-huh. from, from the relatively mid John Lennon. Right, right. That Pete Best was uh, back there getting all the ladies. Everybody's looking past him. Yeah. I feel like a lot of drummers are the best-looking member of the band. Is that true? Let's see. Taylor I, Hawkins was very good-looking. Yeah. Dave Grohl, when he was a drummer. Right. Young Dave Grohl, very handsome. But probably handsome. not better-looking than Kurt Cobain. No, Kurt Cobain I feel like people really were ever But I, mean, I feel like Kurt. Grohl, um, I mean, Grohl has, I think it could be argued, obviously, God rest Kurt Cobain, but probably a more approachable personality. Yeah, certainly, yeah. certainly. Yes, I think uh, he's kind of America's uncle at this point. Yeah, at this point, he's he's America's like cool kind of fun uncle. uncle who, right. Yeah, that's a really good way to describe it. Yeah, and I think that adds to some of the charm. Absolutely. Um, uh, and decent bone structure, too. Oh, excellent said. bone structure. Great teeth. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Roger feel- Taylor from Duran Duran. That's a good looking guy. I can't picture Roger Taylor. No, Roger Taylor's a good looking guy. He's no John Taylor, the bassist, but he's a good looking guy. Handsome guy. I don't think he's in the band anymore. Um, I'm, I'm obviously going to give this a great deal of thought. As yeah, you can, I'm, you've, you've I'm, like, I'm going through my mind me. here. And, I'm, and now that I've said that, I'm like, 
what drummer did I think was so good looking? I can't really picture any of my favorite drummers being that great looking. Uh, Keith Moon? Yeah. Maybe it's just the like the physicality of it that's yeah. kind of sexy. John Bonham? Yeah, yeah, right. I'm not a big Zeppelin guy, but I'm just going through like famous drummers, right, you know? Right, right. Uh, the late Neil Peart. Uh, actually, everyone I've just mentioned was dead. I don't Neil know why Peart I singled out Neil Peart. alone is not a good-looking name. No. It's just not the name of a good-looking man. It isn't. Neil Peart is amazing that he was a rock star because Neil Peart could very much easily be like middle management in the accounting department Right, that's firm. someone who works at Radio Shack or something. Yeah. Oh, you want to talk to Neil in Accounts Payable? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, He's I, N Pert at Hotmail. <laughs> um, I want I do want to circle back to video games and you ending your addiction. What happened? Oh well, when the pandemic started, yes. Um, uh, I found myself playing more, but I had to play. I didn't want to play while my kids were in school because that struck me as just about the most dick move you could right, possibly do as a father. And also, I was on duty a lot, helping them out with stuff and trying to pick up the slack that they're that their teachers were dealing with. I have, a, I have a, a, a long dormant teaching certification that I don't use. I, I did one year teaching high school. And, and it doesn't and expire. That was it. I, I don't know if it expires or it probably, I'd probably have to take a, some sort of a certification uh, test or something. Either way, I have a great deal of sympathy for people who teach and particularly during the pandemic. Right, of course. So I, I, I got up front and center and, and my, my wife, we were super fortunate. My wife got an online uh, writing job, was in a writer's room for a show that had halted production. Mm -hmm. So we were super lucky that she had steady work right, starting right. in like April of 2020. The dream. I mean, absolute, beyond, like a lottery ticket. Right. So that left me sort of, you know, playing catch up with the kids and helping them, you know, and they were at a level, thank God, they were at a level where, like, they were both in their last year of math I could understand. Okay, great. You know, they were both. What year? What year? It, was, um, it would have been um, fourth and seventh grade, I think. Okay. No, fifth and eighth. Oh, that's better than me, I imagine. Yeah, fifth and eighth. And eighth grade was pushing Oh, yeah, it. I can only yeah. imagine. But um, she wasn't in, like, honors math or anything. So I was able to help out a little bit. And my son needed a great deal of help because he was at a charter school, and they were kind of, you know, trying to figure some stuff out. And they were slower to get uh, up and running online. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So I would do that during the day and at night I would stay up and I would do these open world video games because, you know, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere. It's a way to get out. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. So I was playing, um, but I, I finished more video games in the first two years of the pandemic than I had ever played beforehand. Oh my God. But I did Red Dead Redemption 2. Sure. Which is magnificent. I mean, it's such a beautiful game. Do you play it? I, that for me, you're, the cowboy's too slow. He moves too slow oh, for fair me. enough. No, you know, that's, I sort of dug that about it. I like the, love that, the leisurely quality right. of a lot of it, but I hear you. I need someone nimble who can climb a wall. Uh, did you do Ghost of Tsushima? Uh, I played a lot of that. Okay. Never finished it, but that's more my speed. Okay. It feels like uh, beyond my physicality. Okay. Okay. You know, it's like when I'm when the Cowboys slower than I am, there's a problem. I see. What's your jam? What do you what, what, what do you uh, enjoy? I just finished the new Zelda game. Oh, here it's fantastic. Incredible. Yeah, yeah my uh, son really dug that. Anything that's kind of a, a truly escapist, mm -hmm. that's like bright, happy, colorful, that mm -hmm. sort of thing works for me. When it gets into uh, misery... Oh. That it's not really my thing anymore. Do you want a spoiler uh, for Red Dead Redemption 2? Of course. He dies of tuberculosis. 
Of course he does. He fucking dies. He doesn't die what? in an unwinnable gunfight. He dies slowly of tuberculosis. That and, happens And there's in Mario. one like moral quandary at the end where it's a real binary. Like you either give the money to this good guy or you die holding on to it or something. And that's the end of the game more or less. And um, at, so yeah, uh, you would have been, but oh my God, the landscape. It's uh, beautiful. It's beautiful. And when you ever get caught in the rain and like the lightning reflects in the puddles, it's so cool. Gorgeous. They just need to drop like a... Uh, an Olympic runner in that world, and I'm happy. <laughs> faster horses. Everyone yes, needs a faster please. horse. Give me a motorcycle. Give me something fun to do. Sure, sure, sure. Understood. Uh, but th- I understand that. You're just needing to. It's such a nice way to get. Like I played so much Zelda during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, but eventually, it got to a point where like my kids were back in actual physical school, and I was starting to play during the day. Okay, now it's a problem. My, wife would come home and I'd be like, listen, Sushima is not going to liberate itself, lady. And it was just not a good look anymore. <laughs> and I had to, I had to wrap it up. <laughs> was it, was there ever an audience watching? Was the family watching you play? Occasionally. And that also didn't feel great. <laughs> that also didn't feel really, uh, uh, good at all. It's um, a dark <laughs> and you can, and there's so many ways like Ghost of Sushima was extra nefarious because it has this way of, presenting itself as the thinking man's video game mm-hmm. like you you can do a mode uh on that where it's called kurosawa mode oh i'm familiar yeah right so of it goes course. black and white and subtitled for your film and, bros and it looks yeah so so you can be like film twitter's favorite video game for a moment and it looks like um sort of distressed film from the 1950s mm-hmm. so i played it that way a little bit just to sort of pretend that i was smarter than i actually am <laughs> Um, yeah, so there, it was really, I mean, it's the same, it, it's the same principle of me using the PSN name Joan Didion. It's like, no, you're still playing a video game, dude. Don't, you're still a, a middle-aged man playing a video game. Don't, yeah, I feel you like can tart it up any way you want, but. I do feel like that's a, a new problem within video games of them taking themselves so seriously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it do, it feels like. A lot of games, like God of War became this very serious thing. And I said to a friend, it feels like Howard Stern hosting Fresh Air or something. Where it's like, <laughs> we still know what this is. <laughs> we know exactly what this is. It's still a video game. God bless. Yeah. But yeah. it's uh, kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't necessarily need um, the one who wrote the shock doctrine to flash you, <laughs> right. which is what I imagine would happen if Howard Stern hosted Fresh Air. <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, look, there's something more important we need to talk about. Yeah. There's something we need to get into here. Okay. I was happy to have you here today. I was so excited. No, I was so pleased to be here. I was so enthusiastic. Yeah, and I, uh, you got here right on time. I would say early. I pulled up to my house. You were already here. Yeah, hi. I pull up. We walk up the driveway. You use my neighbor's green bin, which, you know, throwing away your banana peel, I'll probably have to go back and dig it out later. I'm sorry about that. I uh, just really, well, I didn't want to pollute your green bin. Uh, I don't know who your neighbor is. But now you my relationship with my neighbor. I apologize. I didn't, I really didn't want to leave it in my car. You're really in a banana peel in a hot car. I encourage you to do that. It really is not going to, I mean, all right. The smell will linger. But I feel like there's a larger issue you want to get to. Well, that was a red flag. Let's just okay, say that was fair a red enough, flag. Fair enough. Early red flag. We get into the backyard, and you spring on me what is obviously a gift. Yeah. Um, the podcast is called I Said No Gifts. That's what it's called? Okay. So it is now, okay, now we're okay. already getting into whatever. Maybe this was a mistake. Okay. I well, want to I, I, believe going there's so good well in you. so far, and right. I, I, feel, I hate to think that I've messed things up. Right. You love teachers. You've, you're, you know, you're improving your life by quitting video games, and now, but we're backsliding. Well, I, but I feel like there's a, there's a rapport going on here, and I'd hate to see us lose that so early on. Right. For this to deteriorate at just, you know, 700 miles an hour, 
So that Amy Mann theme song mm-hmm. that, that, that has lyrics? It does. Okay. Oh, you got the instrumental. I did, Okay, yeah. so we blame this on Annalise. Okay. Annalise is supposed is that... to send out the full song. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't realize. Okay, interesting. All Annalise right. has removed the lyrics. Oh, well, that's a, that's weird. I don't need a karaoke version of something I don't know. <laughs> That's a, but you know, a carry, getting up in front of a crowd with a karaoke song you've never heard, it's a learning moment for everybody. I think so. Annalise is trying to start their business, karaoke you don't know. Um, which Suicide I, karaoke, I believe, is the term. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I mean, I guess we should just deal with this. However, okay. we should, should I open it here on the podcast? I think you should open it here on the podcast. It's a real impulse buy. Okay. I didn't want to show up empty-handed, and uh, I was in a uh, a gift shop on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, interesting! And and picked this up and just thought I actually kind of like the way it looks. But um, here, All here right, is, here is a present up. for you. We've got the gift bag. Yeah, We're opening. We're dipping in. So I don't want to make things more confusing than they have to be, but I I got you. Do you say oh, it or should? Well, it is a T-shirt. It is a T-shirt. Do you yes. want to say or should I say? Well, I want to say it because I, I feel like you're going to have a, an issue this with it. T-shirt is fantastic. But it's a cool logo, right? It's a David Bowie T-shirt. Yes. And I was so struck by the fact that you pronounced my name properly. I pronounce it Bowie, and you it's did it. It's a tricky name. I know, and you did it right out of the gate. Um, not cool of me to leave the price tag on. No, I, th- <laughs> I think that's the move to make. Okay, nineteen ninety nine. Let's say it. Okay, it was a twenty dollars t shirt. Um, <laughs> decent. You know, fairly. You know, nice, good, good, sturdy cotton. It's not yeah, going to shrink in the a wash. Thick yeah. Cotton. yeah, it's a good thick cotton. Burlap. Yeah, and I thought there was something amusing about John Bowie bringing a David Bowie shirt, <laughs> and I don't know if I'm right about that, but I also feel like who doesn't like Bowie? Everybody loves David right? Bowie. You know, and and I don't know if you ever saw him live, or or I never did personally. But I, um, it's a cool logo. It's like it's that faux distressed thing going right. on it's again. A, a clearly fake distressed. Yeah, t-shirt. yeah. I and mean, this is a brand new shirt. Um, and I'm sure absolutely every single one of this model has the exact same discolorations. It even has a copyright 2013 on it, which is probably a bad move when you're selling a distressed T-shirt. Yeah, because it's it's supposed to look like you bought it at a show in like, like 1978 you know, on like the Lodger tour on like one of those one of those albums that he doesn't remember making because he was on coke in Berlin. But but yeah. Um, yeah, so I got you a David Bowie shirt. And I don't know that I've ever if you if this didn't say Bowie on it, I've never seen this photo of Bowie before. I there's no way I could tell you that was David Bowie. Oh, really? Absolutely unrecognizable to me. Oh, I feel like I yeah, it's hard. Just, Annalise, well, cuz you, you can kind of make picture? out his eyes. You can kind of make out his eyes. <laughs> Annalise is you, saying you wouldn't no. And Annalisa, this is her genre. She's got a Roxy Music shirt yeah. on. I have a David Bowie tattoo. I've never seen that picture. I didn't What's know you had a David Bowie, Bowie tattoo. David Bowie tattoo? Yeah, it's this one. Oh, yeah, this one right here. It's in his handwriting from a, a, one of his exhibitions in, that was traveling around Europe and the U.S. Uh, as though nothing could fall. Oh, that's from wonderful. Heroes. Yeah. But never seen it before. In my Interesting. Life. Yeah, this is a... For all we know, this is just another guy. It might just be another guy, be a with, guy. Uh, with a great jawline. Right. Um, with these giant sunglasses on. Um, when I say Bowie, it feels like, uh, 
something's going wrong in my brain. No, I know. And everyone feels that way uh, around me. <laughs> I make everyone feel like they're having the tiny, tiny, most insignificant stroke. <laughs> That's the teensiest little stroke because they all, and you know what was amazing is that you kind of, I mean, we can go back to the tape and listen to it, but you, you just rattled it off 90% of the time when I meet someone who's interviewing me, it's John Ross Bowie, and you hear that moment of inhale and effort. We're gonna do it, and don't fuck this up, Bowie. And it's uh, and and you rattled it off with an ease. I hope You're so. You're very now good I'm at this. Thinking back, I'm, uh, who knows how it actually sounds? But now, hopefully, the listeners are not going back and so examining. So, how did you did did um did Patrick? Uh, uh, no, I do my research. You do your homework, I, okay? You know, I, and I feel like I've probably screwed up people's last names on this podcast before. The last names, I mean, with as someone with a horrible to pronounce last name. And it's just my entire experience of people saying Winnegar rather than Weinegar yeah, or Weingar yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I try to be careful. I, I, I actually was talking to my wife this morning and I would have said Winnegar and it's Weinegar. Right, Weinegar. Yeah, okay. I mean, let's be honest. One of my agents still says Winnegar and I don't know and how to correct him. It, you're, there's just the hope that eventually he'll listen to the podcast. Oh, God willing. <laughs> Maybe this is the episode. God willing. This is the one where he, and that's, um, I'm assuming that's just like straight up English aristocracy, that name. It's, uh, uh, the name is uh, Dutch. Oh, okay. I believe Dutch. Okay. I really should know by now. No, I, I figured it was Northern and white. I just didn't go that right, far north. Right, okay. much further north. Um, yeah, it's Weiniger, but... Uh, a lot of people in my life still say Winnegar. Okay. And eventually you get to a point where you're just like, I can't correct them anymore. Same, same, same. That's just who they think so I am. So here's an amazing thing. Within the past year, I found a, to my knowledge, the only extant interview clip of someone asking the thin white duke how he pronounces his name. Oh, wow. What year was this? This was pretty, I would say within the, uh, probably, let's see, he died in 2016. So probably within like, 10 or 15 years of his death. Okay. And he, keeping in mind that it was not his given name, his, he's David Jones. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. he didn't want to be Davy Jones of, like, of the, the monkeys. monkeys. Right. Precisely. And um, uh, he, he did not care. He absolutely did not oh, care. Oh, that's so classy. Because, yeah, he was just like, I just, uh, you could say Javis. I didn't care. He was very, very chill about it. And it was, wow. it was, it was eye-opening for me. But it really, it gets pronounced, oddly enough, when I go to the UK, they say Bowie. Oh, they do. Yeah, especially if I'm, it's a Scottish name. And if I if I find myself in, in Scotland, they they are quick to be like, here you go, Mr. Bowie. They're Here's going your, Bowie. Yeah. So him deciding Bowie was a really intentional choice then. I guess so. But then again, he doesn't really commit to it. You right. know, I don't, um, he, he seemed very egalitarian. I don't think he ever corrected anybody. And how often is he saying his whole name aloud? Yeah. Interesting. There comes a point where you no longer need to introduce yourself, I should imagine. Right. right? Unless so, it's this image up from this t shirt. No one where knows you who don't you recognize are. him. You're yeah, begging of course. people to know your name. Yeah, fair enough. Fair um, enough. Yeah. I mean, David Bowie is just obviously pure class. Pure class. Just pure class. Yeah, I need to. I mean, maybe maybe I'm pure class. I'm not correcting yeah. <laughs> correcting anybody, or maybe there's just a problem with me speaking up for myself. It's a, it's a fine be a line between being pedantic and self advocacy, isn't it? Oh, it's, right. It's and I I don't always find myself on the right end of that line. <laughs> I do tend to like. I never. I certainly never get upset about it anymore. But if I feel like I'm going to be hanging with someone for a while. Around the third time they fuck up my name, and I, and I frame it as a compliment. I go, "Hey, I think we're going to be friends. Oh, I that's, think we're going to be. Oh, that's a so, good way to so do it. So just heads up. It's not the end of the world, but I actually say Bowie, 
and they apologize profusely. And right. I go, I've been over backwards to make sure they understand that it's no big deal mm-hmm. and it's the most common mistake in the world. Don't sweat it. And you know, you can take it up with my father, but he's dead. Ha ha ha. You know, and and I do everything I can to uh, make them feel okay about this very common thing. Right. Um, but yeah, as I get older, I care less and less. Right. And I mean, people are weirdly sensitive about their names. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think everyone just needs to understand names are literally words and people are constantly mispronouncing words. Yes. Names are just bizarre words. They're of just course, weird no words. one knows how to pronounce any of these. Yeah. They're truly just sounds. Yeah. That have almost no meaning to anybody. No. No. So that's kind of my attitude about it at this point. It's just like, everyone's trying. Everyone's, everyone is doing their best. Everyone is doing their best. I mean, if, what is the lesson of the last three years other we're than trying. we're just we're just all just trying to keep our heads above water over here? <laughs> we're all seconds from drowning at all times. <laughs> just just barely chin above <laughs> above the surf at this moment and just let us just let people live. <laughs> <laughs> so I I assume you're a big David Bowie fan. I'm um there are bigger, um, certainly. But yeah, I I, I when I was a kid, I was like, oh fuck this guy. <laughs> Really? Oh, fuck this guy. He's making everything really complicated for me. And, and that's when I was really irritable about correcting people and everything. But when I was in seventh grade, the Let's Dance record came okay. out. And, you know, that's that's full of hits, that of record. Course. You know, I mean, I think Under Pressure is on that record. Obviously, the title track, Modern Love, is on that Incredible record. What's better song. than Modern Love? Such, Come on. Ever, literally everyone loves the song. Yeah. Um, Show China me one Girl is on that record, which is problematic, but catchy nonetheless. Um uh, so yeah, there, I mean that 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 fifteen year run from like seventy to eighty five is kind of impeccable. Right. It's um, after that where it starts. Uh, well, well, you know what was kind of cool about him? Like I have friends who were ride or die. Do you know Steve Agee? Um, I know of. Okay, Steve Agee's a ride or die, and he was like he, that that last album that he put out that came out like the week before he died that had all this weird jazz on it. Black Star. I Black Star or Lazarus, one of them. Oh, one of those does last it actually, two. Does it not have wait? Is it called Black Star and the I song is Lazarus? Lazarus that is might the be song. it. Okay. Okay, so you're so not he even a fan. Loves that. We've, we've... I, yeah. And he did some drum and bass stuff in the nineties that I wasn't down with. But I salute him for constantly reinventing himself. Right. Constantly trying. Yeah. And I I I and it's one of those things where like I will not follow you down this road, but good for you for trying it, you know? Right. We're not getting bored. Yeah. No. Certainly and you're not and, getting bored. I thought he was a a uh, an interesting and kind of compelling actor. Um, oh yeah. Uh, do you ever see his scene on extras? Oh, uh, it's so it's funny. the best. It's what, probably the funniest moment from that entire show. No, hundred percent. Sad little fat man. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great. And and then those hit albums are hit albums. You know, I mean, you can't go wrong with Hunky Dory. Hunky oh, Dory is all killer, no filler. Just every anything single song. from the seventies. Yeah, me is it's great. Solid. Stardust is great. The aforementioned Lodger has a lot of deep cuts, but right. there's good stuff on there. Boys keep swinging. DJ. Yeah, I would say I'm 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 a fan. Definitely. I never saw him live, which is a huge regret. But yeah, fascinating guy. Did you ever come close to seeing him live? Oh, yeah. I think there was a moment where I thought about going to see the Glass Spider Tour at Giant Stadium and was like, I have never successful. I've never had an easy time getting out to see a concert at Giant Stadium. Oh, Giant Stadium is there for Jersey. It is not there for New York. (laughs) It is very much there to be like, hi. New York, would you like to come? Oh, you don't have a car. Oh, that's right. You don't have a car. 
fuck you. That's Giant Stadium, <laughs> right. which is called something else now, I think. But um, or maybe it isn't. I don't know. What, you know there's it a must little, have some corporate it must nightmare point, involved, right? Yeah. right? And there's a smaller uh, there's a smaller arena next to it that has uh, that used to just be called the Meadowlands and is like you know the 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 Costco arena or something. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so I came close to seeing the Glass Spider tour, but then when he died. I suddenly got a little more serious about like, oh, we got to get out there and start catching these guys. Uh-huh. We got to catch these boomers before they all wrap not up. Not around forever. Yeah, they're not. And I, I um, so I'm being a little more diligent about making sure that I catch the old timers now. Who have you seen? Well, I made sure I saw Prince before he died, uh, which was great. I almost saw Prince. I was promised seeing, Title had some sort of concert in Brooklyn while I was there working. We went to the Title concert Prince did not come. I was just dragged through a bunch of like D-rate openers. Oh no! Prince didn't appear. That sucks. Devastating. He did a month-long residency at the Forum about twelve, thirteen years ago. Okay, where where it was a crapshoot. Every ticket was twenty-five bucks, but you obviously didn't pick your seats. Who cares? But it was in the round, and it was him with an all-female band. Oh. And it was insane. It was incredible. Oh. And there were guests every night. And we had um, uh, famous saxophonist Maceo Parker, who was uh, James. Oh, I'm not familiar. He led James Brown's band. Oh, okay. And a jazz saxophonist of his own right. He came out and did a sax solo for Purple Rain. It was insane. Oh, my Some God. Some people got Stevie Wonder <laughs> coming out and doing Superstition with, with Prince. It wow. It was a crazy run of shows. I'm trying to think who else I, I've seen Stevie Wonder at the Hollywood Bowl. We caught Dolly Parton at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh. I've just been trying to like make sure that I check uh, all these uh, guys off my list before it feels it's like too you're late. sending them off to die. I now I, you I wonder sometimes if all they're waiting for is for me to finally catch them live. You become kind of a grim reaper type, you know, just me sitting. I didn't see Elton John because I like him around for a little bit longer. <laughs> But now we, I don't need to sit there with a sigh at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> is Elton John done? He keeps saying he is, but this farewell tour is lasting fucking the forever. The man's a liar. The man's a liar. I saw Kiss. Oh, uh, I went to go see Kiss How with was that uh, with. Uh, well, this was actually funny. Um, Pardo was there too. You'll be shocked to learn. Um, and um, I took my son, and I was like, I'm going to take my son, who was. 10 at the time, maybe nine. And I was like, this is so badass. I'm gonna take my son to see Kiss. How cool is that? Like, what a bad motherfucker dad I am. I'm taking my son to see Kiss. Bridger, everyone had their kids. Absolutely <laughs> everybody brought their kids to the Kia it's Forum. It's like a Blues Clues or see, it was the basically, It was basically seeing the Wiggles because it's children's music, Bridger. Don't kid yourself. It's children's music. I mean, music. those men are children. Those men wear costumes and makeup. And the blood isn't scary anymore. So it's just, it's, it's children's music. So many grandkids. There wow. were so many. Jimmy brought his son. It's the least cool concert in least America. Least cool concert in America. I had a great time. Pyro, they opened with Detroit Rock City. No great. notes. Great Wonderful. time. We left a little bit early because Walter got tie-tie. <laughs> we were not the you only people to leave. Just empties yeah, half the arena through. empties out. 
because people are up past their bedtimes. Um, yeah, it was, um, uh, yeah, but I regret nothing. <laughs> no, I imagine they put on a good show. Oh, they're, I mean, it's, I would hope. it's, I mean, it's musical theater. It's ridiculous. It's right. just, it's big and flashy and there's costumes and the banter is the same no matter where you go. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure what they, is their banter at this point. What well, are they it's saying? It's a standard, it's, it's the, I mean, they kind of invented all the cliches of like, are you ready to rock? Let's hear this side of the arena. I don't know. Can this side do better? You know, we thought they knew how to rock in the last city we played, you know, and it's it's just and they but they kind of that's kisses. Like, is it a cliche if you invented it? You know, if this is the shtick that you brought to Arena Mm -hmm. Rock, then it's hard to say. You know, I mean, for you to do something else would feel phony. Yeah. Yeah, I they, never participate when they say, is this, you can be louder. I'm saying, no, I can't. I did, I gave you what I had. <laughs> what do you listen to right now? You get in your car. What am I listening to? What am I listening to? This is a huge question. So I'm, I've got, I'm sure I'm it gonna is. I'm going to take a deep breath before I even means. answer the question. Um, what is and the, speak freely because I listen to a bunch of stuff that people make fun of me for. So I don't know what your tastes are at all. But like, if you're worried, they're like, oh, I can't admit <laughs> blank, then speak freely. You're this in a is safe what place. I'm listening to. My uh, Weirdly, I've become friends with... Uh, guy who was in a band I really liked, a garage band in the early 10s called Harlem. He now has a band called Lace Curtains. Oh, I saw Harlem. Harlem you did? were on Matador. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I saw Harlem at the Matador 21 You're Fest kidding. in Vegas um, whenever that was, 10, 12 years ago. They're, um, so, they're I mean, great. unbelievable. Yeah, they, great band. They burned great out band. pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, they're a wild band. Yeah. Um, Michael Coomer was half of the band. He now has a band called Lace uh, Lace Curtains. Oh, he had I a Halloween was, show. I've heard of them. I've not heard them. He, wonderful. Okay. Uh, and he had a show at his... Uh, house Halloween thing the other night and that's kind of reignited that for me so I've been listening to him a lot recently okay, he's so good and everyone should listen out. to that okay we'll do lace curtains what are you listening to uh, that's a fine question, but I'm going to be perfectly honest, and I, I can't think it's of anything off the top of my head. It's a hard question to immediately Yeah, but I mean, I, I, but the thing is that we can now document this stuff very clearly, and you know, with, for better or worse, your phone will tell you, well, here's what you were just listening to. <laughs> Don't try to lie to anybody, because see, my algorithm is all fucked up for myriad reasons. Oh, well, you're a father. Uh, I'm a father, yeah. But my kids are, are, you know, they're now 16 and almost 14. Uh-huh. So they're pretty cool. Okay. And, um, but, okay, listening to the new Mountain Goats record. Oh, I love the Mountain Goats. I love the Mountain Goats, too. They're hard to keep up with because it's so an album much like every eight months dense. or so. And it's dense. But this, Jenny from Thebes is really, uh, it's a quality piece of work. But then right here, they suggested, um, the algorithm suggested Take Me Home Tonight by Eddie Money. And I was like, yeah, oh, I, I, I could listen to that right now. <laughs> wow, what means, a shift. To- by all means, I'll listen to Eddie Money's Take Me Home Tonight right now with that Ronnie Spector vocal. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Then my son has gotten into Radiohead. Okay. Because he's a stoned college freshman um, <laughs> who's majoring in Soch because he's not sure what else to do. And um, so he's been listening to the Benz. Okay, which that's is, a good starter. Yeah, well, that's the right. I'm not a big Radiohead fan, but that's probably their most accessible record right. i think the, that one an okay computer like those people most people can get into this yeah before it, it, it's the radiohead record for people from... who don't much like radio right yeah right. so because i mean what am i gonna i'm not gonna you know turn my nose up at high and dry that's lovely yeah, of course beautiful sure, song sure 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 he's got me my son's got me into this band called tv girl oh wait i'm familiar with tv girl it's kind of a new wavy kind of a new wavy poppy. but also kind of like uh you might be thinking of tv I TV yeah. Girl does sort of a French lounge sixties oh, thing. Then I'm not kind familiar. Of okay. Kind of sounds like cool cocktail hour. Oh, I love. But they this. also use samples. It's a really okay. interesting. I don't know who got him. 
if, if he's anything like his old man, some cute girl introduced him to, uh, to this, and that's what he's, he's listening to because he knows where his bread is buttered. Um, and uh, oh, and then everything else, you know, everything else is uh, horror movie scores because I put together a horror movie podcast to hand out or oh, a playlist that's to so hand out nice candy. Of you. Um, oh, to hand out can- for candy time. Yeah, so right, I'm sitting right. out front with a speaker uh-huh. and, uh, and handing out candy with like, you know, the, the Halloween theme going behind me. So that's what's what's going on here. My friend is in a terrific old-fashioned ska band called Hepcat. Oh, that's a great uh, ska band name. Yeah, they're um, they're local. Okay. But they're, they're not like 90s ska. They sound like genuine, like late 60s Jamaica oh, ska. that's more my speed of ska. Oh, then you'd like them a okay. lot. Hepcat, my friend Alex Desaire has is one of their uh, singers, and their stuff is great. They either do authentic covers from that era or stuff that sounds like it was written in that era. Okay. And it's, um, they're, they're pretty delightful. So yeah, that's, that's been what I've been, uh, been rocking out to. That's a nice spectrum of music. Yeah, I get, um, I, I like a lot of different, I mean, I know everyone thinks they're super eclectic, but I, 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 everyone's like, oh, I listen to all times of stuff. I listen to folk and folk rock. I'm like, okay. But I hear things I like in everything, I guess. Pardo is a great example, actually. Your your previous guest, Jimmy Pardo. Jimmy Pardo. He's great. He and I have seen Patti Lapone together. Oh wow! But we've also seen Iron Maiden together, right? And because we we uh, and when you get down to it, there's a lot of heavy metal that is essentially just show tunes. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean the melodies are just. I mean that's why they're listenable. And then it's just hard music, and and then they're just and you know it's just it's the same amount of like self importance and grandiosity and you know chest forward singing, yes. and then there's distorted guitars. But you know they're all everyone's taking themselves way too fucking seriously. Right. I feel like the only difference is the level of homophobia in each category. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I but I would. Well, I will say this: I do feel more comfortable in a Patty Lapone. I feel like these are my people in a Patty Lapone audience. I go to a Maiden concert. I go to a Maiden concert one time. I've seen them a couple times. I'm in the uh, line for the waiting room. It's a massive line for the men's room, oh, of course. And the guy behind me looks at me and goes, "Ugh, oh, it's a huge line for the men's room." And I go. Yeah, except when you're at the theater. Except for at, literally any other place. Except like, any other place in the world. Other than um, like a monster truck rally. Yeah. I was like, yeah, except when you're at the theater and just killed that conversation in the crib. <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> strangled it with his umbilical cord. He was done with me. I we I did not read that room at all. Oh. Right to his phone he went. <laughs> <laughs> what is an Iron Maiden concert like at this point? How um, old are those guys? They're they're up there. They're in their sixties. They sound great, and they have not, to my ear, because a lot of the older guys have to lower their songs or register. Oh, you right. Know, like Billy right. Joel's had to take his his songs down a key, mm-hmm. uh, or not a key, but a step, um, so he can still hit the notes and and make sense of it. They um they sound great. Their audience is meatheads. A lot of their I'm audience sure. is not particularly bright, and <laughs> um and I don't know. And it's so weird because I think that like the guys in Maiden themselves, you know, they write songs about Winston Churchill and they write songs about, you know, English history and mythology and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, you know, they have an eight minute song called The Flight of Icarus, which is about the flight of Icarus. It's actually about Icarus. Yeah, it's not a metaphor. It's just about, it's no more a metaphor than Icarus himself is, you know, and it's very straightforward, but they've got these meathead Coors Tallboy fans it's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's not my crowd, but I have a good time. Oh, yeah, of course. I feel like anybody would have a good time at that show. I can't imagine it's boring. 
They're not dragging you through anything dull. Fuck, I've already forgotten. Lace curtains. Lace curtains. Lace so curtains. good. Okay. Everybody should. Uh, we love lace curtains. Um, what did you? Do you have a favorite-ish band? I know that's a hard question. That's a really tough one. I mean, what band have you probably listened to the most? Um, well, there's a couple. I mean, if you go my whole life, it's it's probably it's probably the Ramones. They've been such oh. a huge part of my life because they were my intro to punk rock. They were essentially a local band when I was in high school. Oh, that's so right. I could How see bizarre. Them, I could see them once a year. Wow. Um, and that was kind of cool. I got to see them when Dee Dee was still on bass, and that was cool. They were, they were, I mean, ridiculous live. They were like 30 songs in an hour and then three encores. And, and I then, can't imagine much banter between songs. No. Just blowing through it, which no. I love. One, two, three, four, go. One, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four. It was really intense, but really fun. And it was also a wonderful thing because, you know, they would play, even though they were a local band, they would only play like the larger clubs. You could get up close. Mm-hmm, right. You could get up close at a Ramon show. Um, and the pit was... It was a pit, but it wasn't as gnarly as some of like the hardcore bands where you could actually get injured. Like I could wear glasses and get up to the front of a Ramon show and be okay. That's a good feeling. Yeah, it That's was the really, perfect energy for a yeah. concert. And they just they just had like a sense of humor and an aggression, and they were an entree to so many other bands that also had a sense of humor. I think one of the reasons punk rock is is so important to me is because it's so funny and I think people don't realize how funny it is but there were just just the silly details in Ramon's songs like I met her at the Burger King fell in oh, love, I by, love fell in love by the soda machine uh-huh. oh, oh I love her so so great I just yeah they just they were they were my band now I want to sniff some glue it's I, such I, a fun I, I've written about this before because it's such an important song for me. I, I love the now in that line because they have a lot. They have a lot of I wanna songs, you right? Know? Right. But they have now I wanna sniff some glue. Like this is uh, this is an action item I have to get to today. <laughs> yeah, it's like on a checklist. Yeah, exactly. Like I went and I got some groceries. Did the laundry. Did the laundry. Changed that light bulb that's been flickering in the kitchen. Now I wanna I'll sniff some glue. Spoil myself. Yeah. Little <laughs> <laughs> treat. Um, so it just the that level of smart stupid I think mm-hmm. is what I'm, I'm I'm trying to get at. It was was hugely influential for me uh, in everything I do. And then I also loved because when I started acting, I just had like when I started going out for auditions, I had like three improv classes under my belt. Wow, that's incredible. And I had some, you know, I had you know, I had acted in a friend's student film, but like a friend had just been like, "Here, play this part." And we've all been in a friend's student film. Yeah, you know, so it wasn't like I had to audition and really put myself out there. It was just sort of handed to me. Um, but the Ramones taught me that you can get out there and do a thing before you're entirely sure what you're doing. Exactly. Which is anathema to a lot of acting music. teachers, you know. But, like, those guys really didn't know what they were doing when they started. Ditto Sex Pistols, ditto Clash. And I find that very inspiring. Always have. <laughs> right. Kind of basically shoot for the target and have a nice time. Exactly. That's all that really matters. Paul from The Clash had the notes written on the neck of his base, apparently. This, oh, well, this is a good tip for me. Um, yeah, As no, yeah, absolutely do it. Have no, have no shame. A Sharpie will stay on. And um, and and that's how he taught himself base, and I, I love that story. <laughs> oh, that's great. Wow, I really may do that now. Interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I can't have a band who takes itself too seriously or who is too good. 
No, absolutely. I'm immediately bored. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Good for you. Have You took lessons and you committed yourself, but that's not how I do anything. To circle back to Rush for a moment. Oh. You know, there's obviously, there's, there's, there's a great deal of talent in that band, and there's even some good songwriting when they can keep it under three minutes. <laughs> but... They're such show-offs. Mm-hmm. They're such show-offs. I don't need it to be dragged through It becomes about virtuosity and technique rather than really connecting with me, you know? Yes. And, uh, yeah. This is a constant problem with my boyfriend and I, who he is an, like a truly excellent, born natural singer, trained. But when I'm in charge of music in the car... Nonstop complaints about the singing. Oh, dear. Just, what does he listen to? Is he a show tune guy? Is he a... I mean, who knows what's happening with his music taste. He did, he does, he's on Broadway, so he listens to a lot of musical theater, but and then pop music. But before I picked him up... Is he on up, Broadway currently? Yeah, Spamalot. Just started like two nights ago. He's doing Spamalot? Yes, yes. I, I kind of know Taryn. Oh, Taryn was on the show uh, recently, oh, right? That's before... right. I did see that. I yeah. did see it was on that. Um, Wait, what's your boyfriend's name? His name's Jimmy Smagula. Smagula. That's actually, I feel like I've seen that in print in a play. I mean, it's a wild name. Because there's another thing. I also, I mean, as I've made clear, I also dig show tunes a lot. I grew up oh, in the theater district. right, right. I grew up like two blocks so from Times Square. So you know the world in some aspects. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, a part, uh, I'm not a practitioner of mm-hmm. Broadway musicals, but I'm a huge fan and right. I follow it. And I, I particularly like the early cast albums where maybe people weren't the best singers. <laughs> That's all I want. I want yeah. someone to sound like a human being. I want someone to have uh, you're, He's no doubt told you the Glennis John Send in the Clown story. No. So you know Send in the Clowns from yeah, Little of Night course. Music, right? So Glennis Johns plays this role and she's, you know, she's the mom in Mary Poppins, sister, stop, forget. You know, she's a fun actor and a great comedian, maybe not the best singer, but they realize they got to give her something in act two. They're in previews in New Haven or Boston and sometimes like, I got to give her something in act two. She needs like an 11 o'clock number that'll really like tie the whole show together. He goes home and he writes Send in the Clowns. And what's brilliant about Send in the Clowns is that it end, every line ends with a hard consonant. So there's no way, even if she wanted to, she could hold a note. Oh, wow. That's Isn't it rich? So smart. Aren't we a pair? Wow. Me here at last on the ground, you in midair. Wow. So you can, if you are that a singer, incredible. you can handle that song and give it a little extra something. Uh-huh. But it's also fine if you just hit the notes and can't hold them. I need, why couldn't Sondheim just- Write for you. Write one song for me. I know, right? And it's too late. You could have done it. Yeah. Wow. Um, I promise Eddie Smagula knows that story. Musical (laughs) theater people, Jimmy, sorry. Eddie Smagula is a very funny take on Jimmy Smagula, though. (laughs) I'm going to start calling him Eddie Smagula. I feel like that's like the mad magazine version of his (laughs) real name. (laughs) That's a very- I'm so sorry. Don't apologize. Does he listen to your podcast or is he getting enough of you at home? It'll be a good, uh, we'll, we'll find out. Okay, this, we will absolutely find out. You have to put these tests in podcasts to find out who really loves this you. This will be like a little landmine for him yes, at some I'm point. I'm crossing names off the list constantly. The, the people who love me is down to probably four people at That's this point. That's amazing. So uh, we'll see what Jim has to say. Or Eddie. Uh, <laughs> well, I think we should play a game. Okay, let's. Um, Annalise is today... Gift master? Oh, I'm a professional. I have to remember which game we played last time, and it's never easy for me. Um, okay, I need a number between 1 and 10 from you. Uh, 6. Okay, I have to do some light calculating. So while I'm doing this, you can promote, recommend. I guess you can't promote TV or anything right now, no. but you can recommend, certainly. Um, I'll be right back. Oh, okay, great. 
the only thing I have going on actually is completely safe for me to promote because it's an equity show. I, I wrote a play that is uh, going to debut. It's going to have its world premiere at the Odyssey Theater in January of 2024 called Brushstroke. It is a Cold War thriller comedy that I wrote. We've got Malcolm Barrett and James Urbaniak attached to star. Um, I'm really excited about it. Casey Stengel, who is an esteemed L.A. theater director, is uh, directing. It is not a musical, but boy, would I love to write one someday. That would be cool. Um, yeah, so Brushstroke coming to the Odyssey Theater January of 2024. How exciting. I'm excited. Uh, wait, is this the first one you've written? No, I actually wrote a play a few years ago about the Ramones. You're kidding. The Ramones um, recorded an album with Phil Spector producing. Oh, I'm familiar with yeah. the gun? It, yeah. It's, <laughs> it was called Four Chords and a Gun. And it, it, it it's played a few cities, actually. I wouldn't call it a hit necessarily, but it got picked up by a couple of regional theaters. And um, there, was a, uh, there was a Toronto production. There was a Chicago production. Uh, it was a good experience. It was something I had to write. It got Mixed reviews, but um, I regret nothing. Um, oh, that's great. Well, it's such, a, it's such a, it struck me as a great story for a play because it's mostly takes place in this studio, right. you know? It's all like in this one sort of, and when it doesn't take place in the studio, you can just sort of set up, cordon off a section of the stage and that's a different place, you know? And it's, it's a little six-hander and everything went wrong during the recording of that album. Dee Dee relapsed. The the singer broke up with his girlfriend. The girlfriend hooked up with the guitarist. Absolutely, <laughs> Phil Spector was being Phil Spector the whole time. So it's a. Uh, um, I, I think it's a good topic for a drama, and no one else was doing it. That's so I wrote so it. Smart. I want to be in this. I want to play Phil Spector. Somebody uh, let me play Phil Spector. You might be too tall. How tall was Phil Spector? He's a wee little creature. I didn't a know this. Wood sprite, yeah, yeah, little <laughs> wood sprite. Um, but I love that. I, you'd be great in that. Phil Spector. Well, How's your Yiddish? Oh, this interesting. is the one well, thing. <laughs> I, I'll get Duolingo. This this, uh, this tripped up the uh, this tripped up the Toronto production somewhat. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, yeah. He has a smattering of Yiddish throughout. That was that was. Uh, I was like, okay, I uh, <laughs> let me just help out here where I can here. <laughs> yeah, I guess that tracks that he was a small person. Yeah, no, there was a lot of, there was some hardcore Napoleon complex right, um, going exactly. on. I'm uh, looking up your fella as we speak. Yeah, let's find out the height. I'm going to guess, now that you've said that, 5'4". I feel like you're right. I'm very good at estimating. Okay. 5'5". Five, 5'5". Five. Five, five. Is that without with, going the, over. with hair or without? That's, that's the big well, question. Well, that's the question. The picture is with him in the trial I with mean, the hair. I mean, he might be three feet tall. He could be. And then he the hair is be. the other two feet. Yeah, yeah. God, Lana Clarkson was six feet. The woman he killed was six feet. Wow. Oh, jeez. That's crazy. No, well, he felt threatened. Has anyone ever thought about that? Maybe yeah, it was self-defense. Self-defense. That's never, never been know. made clear at all. I mean, he had no other red flags in his no, life. No, no. I mean, the guy was completely stable and, you know, and, and, and loved by all. Um, oh, yeah, I know this guy. I know your fucking boyfriend. Look at this cutie. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. He's an Italian wacko. I love him. I love this guy. <laughs> what a goddamn delight. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen him He's, in things. Uh, also 5'5". Five, five. Is he really? No, that's not true. Oh, all right. That's hilarious. Okay. Significantly taller than me. <laughs> um, okay, let's play this game. This okay. game is called Gift Master. I'm going to name three gifts, three things you can give away, experiences, items, what have you. And then I'm going to name three celebrities. You can tell me which celebrity you would give which gift and why. 
It makes perfect sense. No, I got it. I'm all set. Um, the gifts you'll be giving today are, number one, a quiet evening at home. That sounds okay. nice. Yeah. Number two, this is actually kind of a collaboration with a listener. Uh, Mary suggested, I had posted something to Instagram from a, a tabloid headline that said, special bond with granddaughter. So she suggested that could be a gift and gift master. So the gift will be a special bond with their granddaughter. Okay. And number three is tickets for two to the haunted hayride. Oh, okay. Another great gift. Yeah, fantastic. Great uh, gift. We've got... Uh, no, what's great about getting that as a gift is that it really isn't quite worth the money, but if you get it for free, by all oh, means, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, of course I'm going go to pay right. Yeah. I would never do it for, uh, for $20. Uh, the three people you'll give them to are, number one, Jude Law. Number okay. two, hate to say it, Candace Cameron Bure. Okay. And number three, Medusa. Mythological creature. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Okay. These are all really good questions. Okay, good, good. These are all really good questions. I feel like Jude Law would be a good sport and would also enjoy a free night in Griffith Park at the Haunted Hayride. I could see him bumping along on that wagon. And just kind of having a good laugh uh-huh. and enjoying himself. I, I know some people who have, I don't think I know anyone who's worked with him, but I know some people who've met him. Apparently a pretty, pretty chill guy for oh, a good. serious British actor, you know, kind of a, a sense of humor and, uh, and right. pretty, uh, pretty down to earth. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. To so I'm going to, I'm going to give him the haunted hayride. Okay. I want Candace Cameron Bure to have a quiet night at home without her phone. So she can't post anything. <laughs> I want her to really a zen quiet out. life at home. I want her to really zen out and just enjoy her enormous family and just stay put and <laughs> do that. <sighs> And then I worry that Medusa doesn't get enough family time. So I want her to have a bonding moment with her granddaughter. And I'm assuming she, God, I just went to such a weird place. I'm like, okay, who gets Medusa pregnant? Well, anybody can get Medusa pregnant if they do her from behind. (laughs) Oh my God. I don't know that this has ever been thought about. And it probably needed to happen. This conversation is literally a four thousand year old legend. Someone has covered the idea of like, no, it's. I know you don't want to turn to stone, so you do her from behind. (laughs) Obviously, Jesus, Perseus. Do I have to think of everything? Um, yeah, so I, I think uh, I want I want Medusa to have a, a a nice bonding moment with her grandchildren. She must have a couple at this Fun point. Fun Grandma Medusa. Uh huh. That's what I want. We're going to Grandma Medusa's house. She'll wear a welder's helmet, and you'll make it work. <laughs> Maybe going out for ice cream. Who knows? But I think that's beautifully given. I think that that worked out really I mean, well. Yeah, perfectly. I think I got I think I got great options. Whoever your listeners are, I want to thank them because. <laughs> well, only one. Uh, let's be very clear. Most of this is from me. Oh, okay. Only Mary gets some credit here. The listener gets credit all the time. Okay. Okay. Listener, don't try to stolen valor. No. 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 <laughs> You um, stay where you are. This was, I, I think, I, but I love that. I, I think those were great choices. And I had a played. lot of fun with it. Yeah. Beautifully, perfectly played. You're obviously very good at giving gifts. Um, okay. This is the last last segment of the podcast. It's called I Said No Emails. People write into I Said No Gifts at gmail.com. Desperate for answers. Okay. They have all kinds of questions. Which begs the question is Roseanne Barr at Hotmail still available? Is that still active? <laughs> That's Do you a good check question. in occasionally? We should look into that. Can you? I get. Wow. Could you have a Hotmail address does, in yeah, 2023? Does Hotmail exist as a thing? Like, I'm going to assume that Prodigy and CompuServe are not around anymore, but right. I, I, I... Hotmail feels like it might be hanging it on. It might be hanging on. It was web-based. I feel like it might not be out of the question for there to still be a couple people hanging around there. Right. Or is it more now just kind of an idea like heaven? <laughs> it's... Who knows? Hotmail. We should look into Hotmail. I feel like they went to MSN... 
That's right. They and did. That's right. Hotmail. Huh. If somebody told me their email was at Hotmail, I mean, everything would fall apart for me is what I thought of them as a person. If they're over like 70, you'd let it slide. It's you'd not be available. Like, I just checked. It is available? It's not available. Not available. Not available. Yeah. Yeah. So you still have it. Ooh, wait. Oh, Roseanne Bar at Hotmail is not available. It's not a, It's not available. But Hotmail as a service, It available. is, but it's under the umbrella of MSN. So I look. So if you look it up here, it's like they, <laughs> they let you choose if you want an MSN account wow. or a Hotmail account. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so. they, they get, that's the difference between them and Gmail. Gmail gives you nothing. Nothing. Yeah, you have no options. But nobody can have Roseanne Barr at Hotmail.com, apparently. I've still got that. I should get it and look at that and see what I, these emails I was writing as a seventh grader. I would love to. <laughs> I would love to see what your inbox looks like at this point, too. <laughs> I'm more than a little curious. <laughs> I think uh, that's a special episode. Actually, you don't have a guest and you just crack open <laughs> that email account. Just take a look at the last 10 years. I mean, how many decades of emails is that? That's a dusty archive. That's a tomb. That's a kind of a... King Tut of email very much addresses. Very much so. um, but, you know, people write into the email. Sure. I, of course, am helping people out all the time on podcasts, on, off podcasts. I do, I'm just You live doing to serve. It. I live to serve. Big heart. Will you help me answer a listener question? Okay, sure. Okay, let's get into this. And immediately it just says Bridger. It doesn't even include you, which is That's rough. Right. Uh, I have a travel etiquette question, and you're sure to be the only one with the answer. Okay. Your guest al- might also be helpful, but given their Whoever rudeness bringing is. you a gift, <laughs> uh, I doubt it. Okay, so now they're disqualifying you. This Fair person's enough. all over the map with you as a guest. Okay. What is the right thing to do when flying with friends and family who don't have pre-check when you do? Do you leave them behind and enjoy keeping your shoes on? Or do you join them in the terrible lines? Thank you in advance for your wisdom. And that's from Susie. Susie, 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 Susie. Susie, I don't know. I mean, I have, um, my first instinct is you leave them behind and keep your shoes on. But I realize that's vaguely classist. You know, <laughs> you draw a class line even within your family. Apparently I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fucking afford pre-check, but I can't presume that everyone's, I mean, I have a cousin who's a lawyer. She can afford pre-check. She probably has it. But then I've got people in my family who maybe can't afford pre-check. And, you know, do I, ah, tough call. Well, now you've got an idea for a Christmas present for them. Get them pre-check. Pre-check. What a great gift. Actually, a phenomenal gift. I mean, that is a phenomenal I gift. I feel like we've, for the first time on this podcast, after thousands of hours, we've thought of one good gift idea. That is a pre-check. really thoughtful, oh, thoughtful Because it's an gift. excellent thing to have. No, oh, God, yes. And I'm always baffled why more people don't have it. It's, I think it's about $80 yeah. for a long time. Yeah, for a long time. And you also, I mean, you have to, you have to. You can't surprise them with it because they will need to submit to a background check and all this right. other stuff. And you might uncover some things about them you don't well, want to know. That's true, too. They have right. a felony in another country. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. You know, they can, they can, you know, never go back to, to Argentina. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's a case-by-case scenario. You don't leave your older relatives with the commoners. Okay. You should probably uh, take the hit and walk with them and take your shoes off and take off your watch and do that other stuff. But if it's, if it's your peer group if it's people you're roughly your age close siblings stuff like that fuck them you'll see them at bat you'll see them at the gate you know i i I don't what do you think 
How is anyone going to learn a lesson if you're coddling them? That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I'm sorry. I got this thing. Watch me. I'm demonstrating how easy it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next time you fly, remember me before you do all of your planning and go get your own pre-check. Absolutely. If you stand in line with these people, these people. These people. These peasants. (laughs) These Philistines. You, I mean, you're not only sullying your good name, you're not allowing them to learn. That's a really good point. So you can't Tough be, love. I've got my pre-check. I can't be seen in the regular line Absolutely anymore. Absolutely not. I step out of my limo into the pre-check. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you're lucky I'm in the back of the you're line. You're lucky I'm even flying commercial, you peon. <laughs> the only reason I'm doing this is because I'm concerned about the environment. That's it. That's <laughs> that it. That is the only reason. Otherwise, I'm not I'd doing be in private. an electric leer. <laughs> With several behind me, just for the for the entourage yeah. aspect. No, you can't. You you have to leave them behind. It's. I mean, it's so clear to me. Okay. The fact that Susie even wrote in with this question makes me question: What's wrong with Susie? Well, I think Susie's trying to be kind to her family, and, oh. and I mean, and that's and good for you on that front, Susie. You know, I think you've got a big heart, but maybe it's too big, and maybe you need to set some boundaries. Maybe Susie's weak. <laughs> it's a rather rough take I on the whole like situation. I feel like we've got a lot of evidence that Susie is weak. Um, and we'll just kind of brand Susie as a weak person. And she's uh, spoiling her family and just damaging everything in her life. Do you life. roughly lose a listener a week, would you say, give or take? <laughs> no, we're... Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the truth is we are bleeding listeners at this point. <laughs> Just hemorrhaging. hemorrhaging. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think we have one listener at this point. Okay. And, so, and it was probably Susie. Susie, close the door on your way out. Um, the podcast is over. Oh, dear. So, unfortunately. But I'll, I'll eventually learn a lesson as well. I have to learn by having my podcast canceled. Life is just a series of lessons. It's lesson after lesson. Well, we answered the question perfectly. I think so too, yeah. I mean, there's nothing else we could have said to Susie. I I, I always feel like the majority says, I know there's only two of us, but given I was kind of waffling and I was kind of on the fence and qualified it a little bit, I think we're 75% leave those losers at uh, in the regular line. No. half of me and all of you so 75%, we have, a, we have a clear three-quarters majority saying, yeah, it's just, there's, there's no time for these, these jag-offs who won't get pre-check. As far as I'm concerned, we're at 150% okay. leave them behind. Okay, doke. Leave them in the dust. Uh, get on the plane. Tell the plane to take off. I don't, I don't remember anybody else being back there. I think we're full. Close the doors. Fuck them. Enjoy Sparrows. <laughs> we all need a slice. Uh, okay, Susie, thank you for writing in. Um, we've answered the question. I've got this beautiful T-shirt. I'm a uh, David Bowie phony in this T-shirt, essentially. People are going to be calling me out constantly. It's not authentic. Can you name three albums? I could easily name three. Yeah, so you're fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't don't let some fucking... (laughs) That is the question. Yeah, don't let some mean-spirited boomer get up in your grill about this. I feel like there's still part of my brain from probably six to... 10th grade that has the fear that somebody's going to call me on this sort of thing. Oh, really? Who's your favorite band? Uh, name three albums, that sort of thing. Yeah. That is just not happening in the adult world. No, eh, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It does still occasionally. For you? Um, I, 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 every once in a while, someone will uh, 
will will call out i have a couple ramon shirts and, and somebody will call that out and they go yeah where'd you get that looks new i'm like it is new sir it must be new it is new my old one is my my first ramon shirt is literally framed in my house because you can't wear it anymore it won't survive one it's more priceless wash. item yeah um uh has my name written on the back because i took it to camp with me oh my god so um yeah so i um uh, so people get a little snippy and i'm like well it's you know i'm I saw them when when Dee Dee was still in the band. So stop talking. <laughs> I'm a gazillion years old. How That's dare a you? <laughs> perfect answer to that question. <laughs> At any point. Uh, well, this has been a wonderful time. This was great. I can't believe we're just meeting. I know it's shocking. I feel, feel weird about that. And I, 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 this went so smoothly. I feel like it I've known you forever. It could have gone horribly. It could have gone horribly. You never know. You, know, you, you never you know. Never know. You do. You never know. Somebody could be awful, but you're obviously incredible. You're great, and and this and at least you're great. I like your whole energy. I I, I dig everything. I like the the Bowie tattoo. I, I like the Roxy music. We shirt. love Roxy music. It's great. I um uh lovely home, lovely backyard. Oh, God bless. Let it be said. Really nice. Yeah. Here we are. It's the end of the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here and listener. I mean, I hope that you've been listening for the last few seconds and have kind of figured out this is the end of the podcast. Otherwise, you're in for a horrible surprise. The podcast is over. I love you. Goodbye. I Said No Gifts is an exactly right production. It's produced by our dear friend Annalise Nelson, and it's beautifully mixed by Ben Tolliday. And we couldn't do it without our guest booker, Patrick Cotner. The theme song, of course, could only come from miracle worker Amy Mann. You must follow the show on Instagram at I Said No Gifts. I don't want to hear any excuses. That's where you get to see pictures of all these gorgeous gifts I'm getting. And don't you want to see pictures of the gifts? But I invited you here. I thought I made myself perfectly clear. When you're a guest in my home. Follow I Said No Gifts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I really don't care. Just don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. It's the least you can do. It really is. It's the bare minimum. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase I Said No Gifts merch. What a wonderful way to support the show. Support the show.